0: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What is the No Spin News all about? You know that this is a fact-based analysis news program. You know that. We avoid speculation. We don't do conspiracies here. We don't do party politics here. We're not nonpartisan. That's wrong. Not that. Okay, We are advocates for a stronger America and a more just society. We don't believe in communism. We don't believe in socialism. We don't believe in nihilism. We don't believe in the progressive woke culture. We think it is un-American. We don't support that. So you should know what we are. And it would then crystallize what we do. Listen to the No Spin News. Subscribe to Bill O'Reilly's podcast feed wherever podcasts are available.
2: I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day, And we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast, politics by faith. Trump advisor Kellyanne Conway has a book out and she is spilling all the tea about the election and how much she hates Jared Kushner. Plus, the White House diversity hires are failing miserably and why that is bad for Black people. This is Can't Cancel Rob Smith. All right, y'all. Kellyanne Conway has a book out called "Here's the Deal." She's talking about the time that she spent in the Trump White House, and she is spilling a lot of the tea. And I re- look, some of this stuff is so juicy. It, I, trust me, we can devote. Um, two-thirds of this podcast episode to really break in some of this stuff down. Um, And and that's what I'm going to (laughs) do. So if if you're sick of uh, talking about Trump world or or any of that stuff, this is not the episode for you. But if you're really into some of this tea and and I am, um, let's get into it. She went to The View to talk about a lot of this stuff. And she left no stone unturned. Um, of course, they hit her at the beginning with the election fraud stuff. And, and I want you to listen to this conversation and I want you to listen to how she handled it. But I wanna talk about the big <laughs>
0: lie, um, the stolen election. You write, um, uh, Trump was more shocked about losing in 2020 than he was about winning in 2016, that he couldn't compre- comprehend how he lost to Joe Biden. People around him lied to him and told him he won. Did you lie to him about winning? Never. Great. Uh, Let me ask you this. Can you agree that Trump lost both the popular vote and the electoral college? And that it was a free and fair election.
1: And I think it's pretty obvious that Joe Biden is the president. I can't believe we're still talking about this mm-hmm. respectfully. But Trump, You're, Hold on, it. I write extensively in this book that I am, the, I am you the go. closest person yeah. to Donald Trump to tell him the earliest that he came up short. Sure, it broke my heart. I wanted him to mm-hmm. get reelected and I wish I only wish that the people who were in charge of his 2020 campaign with the 1.4 billion dollars that they wasted had won outright and overwhelmingly. That should have been he should have won huge he had all these accomplishments he's running against a guy who's stuck in the basement and you're in the middle of a pandemic you oh, say folks don't change why does he you why does he continue to, change? Uh, to let lie me, let me, so
0: let, me let me let me let me do something I, 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 before you say anything. Yeah. listen this is the view and this is her view and she's talking about how she feels and what she yeah. knows please don't yeah. boot her right yeah Thank you.
1: I think they're going
0: Biden, staying in the basement. Why 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 does he continue to lie
1: about it? I think President Trump was told again and again by people in his campaign, "You're going to win in the landslide." They had him going to Oregon, to Minnesota, for Mm -hmm. what? And and then after he was coming up short, they said, "There's a way that we can do this." And I said very clearly, publicly, as I said to him privately, "You have every right to do what Hillary Clinton did, what Stacey Abrams did, what lots of Democrats and Republicans have done, which is." Till December 14th, when the electors certify the election, you can amass evidence, get people to to sign affidavits. It's a year later. He's still lying. and, And guess what? The fact is, my, our hearts are broken. My heart is broken that Joe Biden's a president because look what's happened. In less time it takes to have a baby, they've screwed up the country. You're talking about insurrection. <laughs> oh, and people me. are talking about inflation. <laughs> well, I read the ABC News poll. He's still Why? lying. He you know what? I'm not a big poll person because well, polls I can be manipulated, still, I know, as you know. I sat, I sat here hearing that Hillary couldn't lose But he's still of the polls. lying.
0: Why? But, but guess what? he raise, think money. Think raise I think money. money. Okay, so yeah, we're going to go and come right back. to say we'll be right back.
2: Okay, okay. So th- so much to unpack here. First of all, um just even talking about the end of that segment where she says, you know, Trump will not stop talking about the 2020 election. And no matter what you think about what happened, and if you guys want to know what I what I think about what happened, it it it's in older podcasts. This is what I believe. And and honestly, let me just put right into the world what I believe right now. And you guys have probably heard this before, but let me say it again. This is the thing about the election fraud talk, and this is what nobody ever wants to talk about, not even on the conservative side, least of all, not any of these um, sycophantic people that still surround Donald Trump and will not tell him the truth. The one thing that I've always liked and appreciated and respected about Kellyanne, Kellyanne Conway is that you know she told the truth. And so the thing about this election fraud talk is this. So And what a lot of people don't talk about is that Trump lost the white vote. Trump lost the white vote. White working class voters are the base of the Republican Party, period. Yes, it's trying to grow. Yes, they're doing outreach to African American voters and Latino voters and Asian voters and gay voters and all of that other stuff. And and we'll talk about that until the cows come home, I'm sure, in the coming election cycles. But as it stands right now, white working class voters are the base of the Republican Party, and Trump lost those in, in 2020 right um, he lost those in swing states he lost those in very specific counties. do I think that there was election impropriety in terms of some of the fraud that was happening in some of these larger cities and swing states absolutely and I've said that I have said and if you go back to my podcast that I did around the time of the election, I said that these people that are running around the country talking about election fraud and this was you know after in in the weeks after the election. These people that are running around the country talking about fraud, doing this, doing that, going to find ballots in Arizona, private jets, all of this stuff, the, Like all of these people look like idiots. And this is what I said at the time. If you want to make a compelling case for this, focus on the larger, dim-controlled cities in the swing states. So focus on places like Philadelphia and Pennsylvania. Focus on places like Detroit, um, in, in Michigan, right? They didn't do that. They were running around Arizona, running around making themselves look stupid, okay? So basically, Trump lost the white vote, and also this, he only got 13% of the black vote, right? Um, there was a lot of talk, and, and I was a part of that because I was on the campaign trail you know, for Trump, and in 2020, trying to rally up the black vote, all of that other stuff, he only got 13% of the black vote. So all of that stuff that they did um, only moved the needle one percentage point. Still wasn't enough, right? And so the truth is that he lost his base. And he spent a lot of his time sort of pandering to people who were going to hate him no matter what. And so back to this point that Kellyanne Conway made about them pushing and I don't like to call it the quote unquote the capital b capital l big lie that is something that the left came up with they came up with that terminology and then this is what they do they come up with terminology um they disseminate it to all the media networks it's in print this is the thing that we're going to call this like I don't call it that um I just call it you know him basically saying that the election was stolen which everybody would love for him to stop saying because I don't know that that is necessarily true but anyway A lot of the sycophants around him and a lot of the stuff, and and I'm going to play you a little clip where where Kellyanne Conway sort of takes on Alyssa Farah about January 6th and all that, too, a little bit later. But a lot of that stuff had to do with the fact that people were running around here raising so much money off of this stuff, tens of millions of dollars. Donald Trump, his PAC, his Save America PAC, has more cash on hand than both the Democrat National Committee and the Republican National Committee combined. There's a lot of money there. And there was a lot of money that was floating around with a lot of people that were perpetrating this idea that, you know, um, the election was stolen and we're going to find all these votes and then we're going to flip it and then the House and then you got to get Mike Pence to do this and all of this other stuff. It was insanity. And the insanity was so strong that when Joe Biden was inaugurated, people were still, there were some people that were still shot, you know, call them the, the parlor people, call it what you want to, but the people that are so deep into their bubbles that, This is what they believed, okay? So they still thought that Trump was still going to be president. And there are still some people that operate in those bubbles, and you guys know me, I do not do cults and I do not do bubbles, okay? And there are still some people that operate in that bubble to this day that will say... The election was stolen, the election was stolen, there was fraud, there was fraud, there was fraud. Was there fraud? Yes, there was fraud. Was it enough to overturn the election on a national level? No. Um, The fact that he'd lost the white vote and the fact that he couldn't move the needle on the black vote, those are the things that cost Donald Trump the election. Okay. And then Kellyanne Conway also alluded to the fact that he had these sycophants around him. There are people that are around Donald Trump who, what you guys have to understand here, is that they will never get that. Number one, these people crave power because they, they already have the money. So at a certain point, it's not about money. It's about power. And their access to him gets them closer to power than they ever will be. You were talking about people who I will will remain nameless but you're talking about people who are just like waltzing in and out of the white house waltzing in and out of the oval office like having that access to him they get addicted to that stuff okay and so these are the people that not only are going to continue with the election fraud stuff because they think that that's what's going to keep them close to him and close to power but also these are the same people that are going to continue to, to push him To run again in in 2024. So I think Kellyanne Conway was very on point with that. And, And there's a nugget of truth, like I said, to what she said about the sycophants that Trump surrounds himself with, that don't do him any favors when it comes to burnishing his power now. Is he powerful? Absolutely. Does his endorsement carry weight? Absolutely. Is he going to be led in the right direction in terms of strengthening that power long term, whether it be making another run for the presidency or not, by these people who are too afraid to tell him no? I do do not believe so. And so coming up, you know, a lot of this also, I think a lot of these failures had to do with Jerry Kushner, who Kellyanne hates and who represents what I think was a crucial failing of that administration. I'm going to get into that after the break.
0: That's right, Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. chumbacasinocom No purchase necessary. prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Okay, Problematics. Kellyanne Conway hates Jared Kushner. You know, Jared Kushner is Donald Trump's son-in-law married to Ivanka, They have a couple of very cute kids together. Took that role in the White House very, very, very seriously. And as Kellyanne Kellyanne Conway said in in this uh, another segment from The View that I'm about to play, it is all about wanting to take a lot of responsibility but not really having any accountability. And, and, And she says this much better than I can. So... I'm going to play this for you right now.
0: You know, one of the people that you seem to have turned on is Jared Kushner. So, Garrett, uh, uh, you know, he's Trump's son-in-law, and uh,
1: he adores him for some reason, and, you know, he was going to solve everything in the Middle East. It had a big job. But you called Jared shrewd and calculating with with no subject he considered beyond his expertise. You remember he was solving a lot of uh, situations. So isn't that dangerous to turn on a family member when you're working for, 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 the, for the Imperial I'm Wizard? T- look, I'm telling the truth. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I'm telling the truth about the way Jared got in my way and Alyssa was there and she knows it she was there for the last eight or nine months he got in my way and all Donald Trump asked us to do was work together and I had been pushed aside by so many men throughout my polit- my political and professional career and here was my shot Donald Trump empowered me he oh, put me at I the see. top of his campaign and all he wanted us to do was work together but almost the moment Donald Trump won Jared was getting in my way I had TV producers and bookers saying you know he's saying not to book you anymore I had me- I had a senator say listen I'm all about family family comes first but we've known you as a conservative for years in this town why is he saying don't invite her to that meeting I the, he said you know you show up to me so which you're not invited we were in the hallway outside his office which of course was around the corner from the president's office at, early on and he said you know nobody knows even knows what you do around here they see you on the cover of magazines he who posed for the cover of fortune and time magazines uh, we see they see you on the cover of magazines but you're you're at an effing 2 you need to be at a 10 and he walked away And then he said, why are you on TV? Yes, he said it's in the book. He said, why are you on TV talking about that you're going to work on opiates and veterans? He said, you're offending the people who are going to work on opiates and veterans. Why do you think you can do that? I said, the president said I could put it in my portfolio. That's not good enough. Look, he's a very, Jared's a very smart person whose heart was in the right place to help this country. But when you have out of balance, all this authority and no accountability and no experience disaster alerts no and no experience you know what Sonny? i think it was charming but that's the same as trump
0: would you just say well
1: oh, okay but hold on i think it was charming and decisive for pre- for donald trump to have had no washington experience i think he won because he was a political outsider mm. who was going to help the forgotten man forgotten woman running against hillary clinton who was running as the experienced oh, had insider experience and so friends. it's charming if not decisive to the public that Donald Trump didn't have Washington experience it's not so charming when your senior advisors don't and you get there and and you know some days felt like this extended chaotic um, take your kid to work day when 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 Jared was in charge of everything and here's my biggest problem with him and he has apologized to me since he said I'm writing my own book he told me at a dinner in November he said I'm writing my own book and the one regret I have is that we didn't work more closely together well, and I said, Jared, respectfully, you did that. You called me, you accused me of being a leaker. You excluded me from meetings. You rolled your eyes. If the president said work together. And, you and you I said, had experience. He should not have all been right. in
0: charge of, uh, of, of, of yeah. COVID. He should have uh, been in or, charge or of anything. COVID. He, he also has... shouldn't have
1: been in charge of the election, Sonny, just well, very quickly, because they screwed up the Midwest politically, and then he took off to the East to bring peace. Well, let me
2: ask you this. So all of this stuff is very interesting, and, and it's really funny because... You know, there are a, a couple of uh, populist pundits out there, one person in particular, that uh, that works on elections, is a Republican consultant, um, whatever, in this field, who loathed Jared Kushner, like loathes him, really, really cannot stand him. And of course, I think that everything that, that Kellyanne's saying is, is true, and, and there was stuff about that that was coming out at the time that they were in the White House. But also, I think that more importantly, it speaks to one of the issues that they have, and one of the issues that, that the Trump campaign have, and one of the issues that I think that Republicans have in general, is that the crucial failing is this, and this is what I believe. And this is one of the reasons why I think Trump was so bogged down in the minutiae and the details of who hated him as opposed to going for the people that loved him. So when you talk about Donald Trump and you talk about Jared Kushner and you talk about Ivanka Trump and all of this other stuff, before these people went into the White House, they were the toast of the New York City media elite scene. And I think that they were shocked when everybody turned against him so quickly as soon as Donald Trump came down that escalator. as soon as he decided that he was going to run as a Republican and as a businessman and all of this other stuff, not only did they turn on Donald Trump, they turned on Jerry Kushner, they turned on Ivanka Trump, they turned on them all. And a lot of Trump's time in the White House was spent arguing with... Journalists that weren't important, arguing with actors and actresses, arguing with media figures, almost to the point to where if you are even a semi-famous, you know, Hollywood celebrity or journalist, whatever, you you know that you could bait him and get some headlines because you know that he would respond because he'd be on Twitter all hours of the day and night, right? But back to Jared and Ivanka, and Jared in particular, they wanted these media elites that they had spent the past decade plus in New York City rubbing elbows with that at elitist events, they wanted the respect and admiration of those people so bad. And they were confused as to why they were not getting it. I I think that they didn't really realize how all of this worked because, like I said, and everybody knows, that all of these people were new to politics. And the problem is... When you're operating as a Republican and you are more focused on the people that hate you and trying to get those people to love you, you lose your track. You lose your balance. This is why – and looking back, what I'm about to say, this was obviously very short-sighted, but this was why doing the criminal justice reform thing that I lobbied on Capitol Hill for – I was a part of, you know, the criminal justice reform stuff. You know, I was there when all of this stuff happened. We thought that it would be a very big thing. We thought that this was something that, you know, we could take back to the black community and say, look, this is what we did. And the miscalculation there is that these people would take their, take their foot off the gas of their hate for even a split second and recognize that good things were done. And I remember with the criminal justice reform thing in particular, um, this was something that was worked on in the Obama White House. They could not get it together. They could not get enough Republicans to sign on it. And I remember um, being on Capitol Hill and, and being in the office of Senator Rand Paul and us really talking about this. Is I was like me, Candace Owens, and a bunch of sort of black conservative influences went there and like really tried to lobby for this. You know, at that point in time, and. Looking back, you know, I'm glad that we got criminal justice reform done. I'm glad that we got it done as just something that we believed in. But to do something like that and to expend the political capital and the time that it takes to do something like that in order to get more African-American votes, um, in order to get more votes from a population that had been brainwashed to hate Donald Trump no matter what, I think was a miscalculation. And I think it's why Jared and Ivanka were not successful in that White House is because they were so fo- – and, and, and again, one of the reasons why Donald Trump lost the white vote, because these people were so focused on getting the people that, will, uh, that did hate them, will hate them, and will always hate them. They were so focused on getting those people to love them that they lost focus on who their base is. And so I think in politics, in business, in the business of being a political commentator or building a brand, whatever you want to do, this is what I think, problematics. And I say this all the time, sort of like when I'm talking about you guys, if if I'm having business discussions or talking to agents or whatever. This is what I think. I think that your audience and your base, I think that they will go with you. As long as they get the sense that you are not lying to them. If people think that you're giving it to them straight, they will go with you. They will go with you wherever you go. But if they think that you're using them, if they think that you are sidelighting them because you want some other stuff or you want some other people to love you or whatever, then they're going to abandon you. So that's what happened with Trump and his base. It's not that all of these white people that he lost didn't vote. They just didn't vote for him. And then the ones that didn't vote for him, the ones that would never vote for Biden or never vote for a Democrat, just didn't show up because they felt abandoned and they felt left behind. And I think that the obsession that Jared Kushner and and Ivanka Trump and a lot of those people, but especially Jared Kushner, I think this obsession that they had with trying to get the elites that had, at this point, already long since turned their back on them to accept them or to respect them or to have a begrudging respect them. I don't know what it was, but I think it's it's their undoing. This is the, the kind of undoing that you see in a different capacity when you think about a Mitt Romney or you think about a Liz Cheney or even an Alyssa Farah who was a communic- ex-communications official for the Trump White House, who she got into it with with Kellyanne Conway a little bit. I'm not gonna play that clip because we're out of time. And I think you guys have heard enough view clips with Kellyanne Conway for this episode. Maybe I'll do it another episode. But you lose something when you just people can evolve and people can have views that may not be as conservative as other people's views or whatever. But when you just outright flip for personal game, people see it and it you know, it's seen as a little scummy. And like I said, I, I think that one of the major failings of Jared Kushner was the fact that he was more concerned with getting his elitist friends and, and getting people in the media to like and respect them for whatever it was that they were doing um than he was focusing about the base focusing on the base and focusing on, on what the base wanted. And so let that be an omen of things to the future. If you're a person that wants Trump to run again, think about that as an omen, because if Trump runs again, Jared Kushner will absolutely be right there, because that's family, and that ain't going nowhere. So think about that as an omen. If you're one of these people that really, really desperately wants Donald Trump to run again in 2024, think about who's going to be around him. All right, next up, the White House's diversity hires are failing miserably, miserably. Corinne Jean-Pierre, new White House press secretary, and Vice President Kamala Harris are failing very, very badly. And this is bad for black people. I'm going to tell you exactly why up next.
0: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa.
2: more than obvious that the Biden administration's diversity hires have gone very, very wrong. Okay, look, and I know that it's not PC. I know you're not supposed to call them diversity hires, but when you think about Corinne Jean Pierce, the new White House sec- press secretary, and you think about Vice President Kamala Harris, it is exactly what they are. And this is not me saying this. This is literally what these people will tell you. The first words that Corinne Jean-Pierre said when she stepped to the podium to take the position as the White House press secretary, she talked about being a lesbian and an immigrant and a black woman and all of this other stuff, right? In Kamala Harris, you know, this is a tricky case. And I want to play you a clip from uh, Tucker Carlson because he's just, he's so funny when he talks about it. So the Kamala Harris thing... Is actually even more damaging than the Corinne Jean-Pierre thing. Because the 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 KGP thing the K the KJP thing, you know, this is somebody that's not really gonna be known by a majority of people that really do not follow politics all this closely, right? So, you know, her various humiliations in her first week are not gonna be pretty much known. And, you know, she'll do this for I I don't think that she'll last a year. They've already brought in um John Kirby to uh to kind of supervise her. So yeah, this is going to last very long. I, I doubt that she 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 probably just makes it through the midterms, and then there's going to be somebody else. But the Kamala Harris thing is sadder and it's trickier because in in Kamala Harris you have somebody who is both the first the nation's first female and first black vice president. In and of itself, that's something to be commended that that we have made it this far as a country. Yada yada yada. The problem with Kamala Harris is that the race and the gender came before any other qualifications or anything else. In fact, it was all that they spoke of when they were promoting her for the role. I remember watching the Democrats Duke It Out for the nomination in 2020 and and when Kamala Harris got knocked out and when things are getting down to the wire with Joe Biden and all that stuff, and oh, Joe Biden is looking for his vice president, and they said he literally committed. He said that I am going to pick a black woman for this role. So immediately he was boxed in. He didn't say I'm going to pick the best person for this role. He didn't even say I'm going to p- pick the best woman for this role. He said I'm going to pick a black woman. So at that point, your options are, are pretty scarce for somebody that is even ready. To, to take the role on the world stage, which as now we all know, Kamala Harris was not ready. She has been um, a disaster and an embarrassment. And it actually makes me sad, not only the fact that she is so bad, but that there will be a, an entire cadre, an entire sort of entertainment and media industry infrastructure when in place. To sort of elevate her and and make her seem like she was just this incredible vice president, and this will happen when she leaves the White House. When she leaves the White House, uh, the sort of revisionist history is going to begin. You know, she's gonna get into Hollywood, and you there'll be you know some Netflix limited series about her, and all of this other stuff will happen. This is what they do to kind of. Burnish, you know, people's memories from what is actually happening right now. And by the time Hollywood and Netflix and the leads and all that stuff are done with the Kamala Harris legacy, uh, people that actually lived through this ridiculousness and watched it unfold in real time will be looked at as if we were absolutely crazy. Will be looked at as if we were were morons, right? So, you know, Tucker took this on. You know, Kamala Harris had another another um, blunder, if you will, earlier this week. And um, I want you to listen to Tucker's take on this. It was hilarious as he is wont to be. And it's almost like he's the only person that is, he's the only person in commentary that's really willing to say, guys, this is not racist or sexist to attack her for just being bad. So you never heard anything about Kamala Harris during the 2020
0: presidential campaign that wasn't about her inspiring firstness. She's black and Indian. She's a first. You must be excited. So she gets elected and the country wakes up the next morning and realizes, wait, we just just elected a low IQ wine mom as vice president. So the administration tried to give her jobs. Hey, fix the border. Wait, get Russia to pull back and not invade Ukraine. That didn't work. So now she's become, and a lot of people, do become this in middle age, is kind of a freelance philosopher. She's like a dyslexic poet with a limited vocabulary. She just kind of bombs around the country emitting words. And they're hilarious. She showed up at a children's hospital in Washington, D.C. today. Here's part of what she said. You know, when we talk about our children, I know for this group, we all believe that when we talk about the children of the community, they are the children of the community. When we talk about the children of the community, they are the children of the community. And you think that's good? Listen to her talk about electric buses. We had, many of us, the administrator and a a number of us, the opportunity to be inside of an electric school bus. And it was fantastic. The press actually rode on an electric school bus, just so you know. So I think they got the real inside feeling for what this means, right? And so what we all experienced is... On an electric school bus, on an electric bus, no exhaust. No diesel smell. <laughs> See, when you're in an electric bus, like it's an electric bus, right? I mean it's a bus, but it's electric. There's no exhaust, because it's an electric bus.
2: Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit of uh of Kamala Hairs for you. And and so let me break this down. As we close out this episode, I just want to break this down how Bad, this stuff is for black people. Okay. And it seems like the most obvious thing to say, but it's this thing that everybody is too afraid to say. And look, this is what it is it is not good for black people when you put black people in roles that they are not qualified for, that they are not good enough to be in just because they are black. Because when these people inevitably fail and it happens over and over and over again, it is going to make it harder for black people that are accomplished and are talented and are skilled enough to do those roles. And so all of the people that are like, oh, yes, you know, Corinne Jean-Pierre, she's a black lesbian, let's put her in this role that she's obviously awful in. Um, Yeah, you know, Kamala Harris, first black uh, woman, Indian, like all of this other stuff, let's put her in there without really thinking about these things. And even, you know, Dr. Joe Biden had her reservations about Kamala Harris being vice president, right? This does not, not only does this not help black people, it actively hurts us. And so not only does it not help us to put us in these roles if we're not qualified for them and we fail at them, but it also does not help us to pretend as if this failure is not happening and pretend that any criticism of these failures is rooted in racism or sexism. I think it's ridiculous. I think that it infantilizes black people, male or female. It infantilizes Corinne Jean-Pierre. It infantilizes Kamala Harris. For people to look at any criticism of these people and say, oh, it's just because they're black. Oh, just because they're a woman. It infantilizes you. And it limits you. And that is what I see happening. You know, I I was at brunch with a couple of friends. Well, a friend in... A friend of his friend that was in from out of town, This is somebody I didn't know, he was a, a liberal that worked in, a, in education, but whatever. And I got into the affirmative action conversation, and maybe I'll do a, a, a more in-depth podcast on that, but my issue with affirmative action is the fact that there are unqualified people that are let in that are not able to do the work and then fail. And then that gives the perception that this person fails not because they're unqualified but because they're African-American or because they're Latino or because they're gay or because they're a woman or because any of these different things that have all of a sudden become some class that we want to put people into, right? So if four years ago when I started doing all this stuff, right? And I got the opportunity, let's say, with Turning Point USA to go on national television, to do all this stuff for them. Was my black identity a part of it? Absolutely, because I was speaking about black conservative is- issues, right? But I was prepared to do the job because I'd had a decade of media experience before that. And I'd been on television and I had all degrees, degrees and I did all of that stuff. And so... It just doesn't, and it, it, it pains me because it doesn't help black people to send the message that you're entitled to something because you're black, whether you're qualified or not, and if you are not qualified and you can't do the work and you get up there and fail, it's because you were dealing with the double whammy of racism or sexism or homophobia or whatever. I just think that it doesn't help people. I just think that it doesn't help them excel. And this may be unpopular towards, you know, some of the, I mean, further right people that that listen to me problematics, but I it doesn't give me pleasure. It's kind of funny sometimes that Kamala Harris is so bad. God, we, you know, in, in this Biden era, Jesus, we take the chuckles where we can get them, folks. But it would be nice if she was good. It would be nice, Democrat or Republican, it would be nice to say that our first female and our first black vice president was actually incredible, even if she's being incredible at you know, lying and doing things that I completely do not believe in. It would be nice if she was good, but she's not even good at promoting bad policy, which means that she's a bad politician and an ineffective communicator, regardless of a race or or gender. And the sad thing about this, the message that this sends to black Americans, to young women in general, is that these identities can get you to that spot. And then if you fail, oh, it's okay. It's nothing that you did. It's nothing, that, that failure had nothing to do with you. That failure was about, oh, it's because you're black. Oh, because you're a black woman. Oh, because you're dealing with, oh, conservative media, and you were dealing with all of this other stuff. It's BS. It's garbage. And it's not going to help the people that need to grow grow. Least of all, Kamala Harris, who, by my count, has about another, what, two and a half years to be flailing through this role and embarrassing herself Black Americans and the country while she does it. All right, problematics. Before we go, I want to thank you so much for listening to Can't Cancel Rob Smith. If you're a fan of the show, please. Rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts and write us a quick review. It would really help us out. You can always follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Rob Online, And you can listen to Can't Cancel Rob Smith every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday on Apple Podcasts, iHeart Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash.
0: Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.